Hi, my name is Blue, and I'm the host of this new podcast, The 21st Century Teacher, with Livid Earth. And my job is to ensure that our teachers and students get the most out of our programs. This new podcast series is just one of the ways I'm going to be supporting our community of educators with a monthly conversation with a special guest educator discussing a different aspect of 21st century teaching and learning. Today I'm talking with Dean Shersky, the author of Embracing a Culture of Joy, How Educators Can Bring Joy to Their Classrooms Each Day. He has worked as a K-8 teacher for 14 years and as a district lead for nine. He has been an educational consultant for Advanced Learning Partnerships and was the community manager for Discovery Education Canada for several years and also a digital learning consultant with the Prairie South School Division in Saskatchewan. Dean believes that teachers and students ought to use technology to connect ideas and learners in safe, relevant, authentic ways to answer questions, share ideas, and develop community. Learning, he believes, can be and should be fun and personal. So Dean, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Always looking forward to, to talking and meeting new people. Like I, that's one of the things that I've, uh, I don't, I don't brag about a lot of the things that I do and have, but I do brag about the fact that I know a lot of really cool and smart people. So meeting you is just adding that to my list. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you so much. So you wrote a book called Embracing a Culture of Joy. And so I'd like to start there and ask you, what do you mean when you're talking about bringing joy into a classroom and maybe explain, you know, what joy means to you? Sure. Yeah, that, you know, and a, a book is, is, it was a, a fine experience. Again, I, I didn't, I didn't write that book with it. It was just, you know, I got asked to write it because I had been talking about joy. So it's something that's been a part of my experience as an educator for a while. It didn't really come I didn't really uh, have the have the word or, or articulate exactly what I meant by that um, until about 2010. Uh, I had an experience where I got together with um, uh, 35 or 40 educators from across Canada who met in a uh, an isolated uh, a, a park in northern Ontario, and for three days we had no uh, internet, nothing. And we just wrote. And so each of us kind of came up with the task of like, what matters most in education? And so that was my task going into it. And that's kind of when I spent some time thinking about it. And it, it sort of just came back to this idea of joy. And it was something that, uh, you know, as a kid growing up, my mother, uh, who passed away, uh, pretty early in life. Um, uh, she, she talked about that a lot. It was part of kind of her persona. And, you know, as I, as I thought about being in it, cause I taught elementary school uh, for about 15 years of my first 15 years of my career. And I, I mean, it, it, I was pretty, I was pretty clear early on in my career that like what mattered most to me was the fact that my, these kids would have, um, you know, a, a, a lovely experience in my classroom. And, and, you know, that didn't necessarily mean that I focused on, you know, curriculum and mathematics and reading it wasn't that I wasn't doing those things right but that just wasn't the priority and I always I always uh think about uh the idea that it that 
that we are asked to do so many things as educators, like do, you know, like you think about elementary teachers, like, Hey, we want them to be good readers. We want them to excel in this. And we also want them to be good people. We want them to learn how to get like, there's a infinite number of, of outcomes and tasks that people want. And so when we say what is most important, like we all, you know, it's easy to default to, well, we want to do all these things. And that's true, but it, it does matter what you start with. It does matter what you lead with. And for me, I led with the fact that I wanted learning to be a joyful experience. And so that that's kind of the sort of where it began. And then as I began to think about, like, what does that actually mean? Like, that's it's an easy word to throw around. And I, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really one who uh, is... Uh, not so skeptical, but I, but I think people throw around lots of terms in education and it becomes edgy speak. And after a while, like, what, what does that even mean? Right. So I always ask, what do you mean by, so I think it's a, it's a valid question for you to ask me, what do I mean by joy? And for me, joy is uh, more of this sort of sustained sense of well being, And, and it, and it's, and in the world we live in now where we are talking about social and emotional um, well-being, um, it's it's really the manifestation of it. So so joy is this outward, uh, visible, tangible uh, evidence of well-being. Uh, is probably the way I did it. So I began to think about well, what is that like? And, and teachers see and experience this every single day, right? Like one of the one of the most the best examples is you know when you're when you're a primary teacher and you're reading a story for with the kids and the bell rings and they don't move they're just with you like that's that's to me is like that's joy because then as as an educator you feel like okay this is awesome and you you know and that's that's the example of elementary but it's the same thing when you're teaching high school physics or whatever when when you can see that this is more like this being together and doing this thing is way more than about a grade or the compliance of it. Like I'm doing the thing because I love the thing and I love being with these people and I love learning this thing. And sometimes it's just moments that you just, ah, that's it, right? Like, and, and teachers live for those moments. Like that's, that's what, like when that happens, it's like, yes, I'm doing the thing I signed up to do. Uh, it's, it's, but it's really difficult to sustain that. I don't, I don't expect that to be the experience all day long. But like those moments are, and so I, I spent a lot of time teasing out what those moments are, and I tried to and use the book to sort of frame them in sort of bigger ideas. And I talk about, uh, you know, things like community as being uh, an example of of joy, right? Like, how do you just create a space where I, I just want to get to class because I want to be with these people, which is really hard to do, in the sense that unlike most of communities where you get to pick which community I'm involved in, like kids don't have a choice. Like this is the classroom I have. So it's a pseudo community, but that's a, that's a real interesting task and challenge that is that a teacher might have is like, how do I make this a place? Like I want to be here. Yeah, very much. I've worked with kids in the outdoor environment, which is very different from the four walls and the structure. And there's so much more freedom when I'm working with kids in the outdoors. Um, and of course, teachers over the last couple of years with the pandemic, um, and everything that I've been hearing back from our community of teachers that use our platform is burnout and stress. Um, people are exhausted. Uh, there's tons of online resources they're expected to be using and trying out. Um, and the kids, of course, too, have been through this as well with, with everybody else. So with the burnout and stress, 
do you have any thoughts of how can teachers bring joy in a meaningful way into the classroom? How can we do that? How can we make the classroom, given the last couple of years as well, a joyful learning environment again? Well, without uh, overly pandering to you, <laughs> uh, being outdoors is is actually, uh, it's a really big deal. Like I, I read an article that said, you know, uh, this was probably last year, or the year before, and it was just talking about the fact that you know, if we've learned anything, it's like, just like do one thing differently than we did before uh, 2020, go out, spend more time outside. And so I think, I think that's just, that's kind of a no brainer. And I think that in itself, you know, it's fascinating to see uh, how educators have been able to figure that out. And it doesn't matter if you're teaching kindergarten or if you're teaching high school, like there's ways to do that. So that's, that's certainly, I mean, and that, that's a very tangible, uh, simple thing to do. So uh, my recommendation is no matter what you teach, figure out a way to do it out of doors. And so uh, figure that out. And, and I, I have lots of examples and colleagues who are doing it and you, you obviously, you know, that's, that's your world. Um, I, I think other things are, are that, I, that I think are important is to just, just slow down, like, like slow it, slow it down and reduce. One of the things that I think, and you know, uh, teachers are phenomenal, uh, phenomenal people by and large. Like it, it, it is like, and I know I'm biased, but I just don't know of another profession that has the number of high quality people that this profession does. And, and I, again, I, I don't work in a lot of other professions, so I, it, it's, it's easy for me to say that, but I believe it's true. But one of the things that I think teachers are notoriously bad at is bringing on uh, self-induced expectations. So I remember working with with school districts, or and and in a school district where you know teachers are stressing about stuff, and I and I get to the bottom of it, and I find out like nobody's making you do that. Like those are those are expectations that you're putting on yourself, which is fine, right? And it's it's good to have high expectations of what you want. You know, in terms of uh, student success and so forth, but but I think reducing some of those uh, expectations because a lot of them were about pacing and I, I, I got to get through stuff and and I got to make and and you know, uh, boy, I, I work with so many district leaders who really do push back against that notion and say like, don't worry about all those things and and like just you know focus on the people in the room and like what they need. One of the things I learned, I, I spent a little bit of time at the district working as a, as a supporting our uh, first nations and indigenous learners. And uh, it was a short lived uh, portfolio, but I learned, you know, from that, that culture, like how important it is like just to take time to get to know people. Like they would have a meeting that started at nine o'clock and you never got to the agenda until 9.30 or 9.45, you know, and as, as sort of a, a, a coming from my culture, it's like, you're looking at your watch, like what time is it going to be going? How long? Like, it just didn't matter. Um, like that, you know, there, the joke was they would, they would joke themselves about Indian time. And, you know, what they really meant is just chill. Like, it's fine. Like they're, we're going to get to know one another. If we're going to spend time working with each other, we're going to get to know one another and we're going to ask about families. We're going to, we're going to spend, and that's not a waste of time. That's not just filling the air. That's, that's in, integral. And so um, slowing it down and spending more time. And I think many, many teachers are, are better at this than they used to be. So I think this is, this is a healthy change. Um, at the same time though, um, it, it, 
it opens up to like if if you're going to do that well now uh you're going to get to know that the kids in your class are going through a lot of difficult times that maybe you didn't know about before so it's it's not just about you know <laughs> uh unicorns and rainbows here it's it's uh okay so now we're now we're getting real with one another and we're finding out okay so-and-so's got a, a bit of a problem and, and now i have that extra burden if you will so it it's it's again it's complex but at the, i think at the same time that's where you have to get to like you have to get to the point where you actually can get to know kids and so um there's and again i, I there's lots of little practical ideas i could share and it, it, it's but i think those are the two big things that i would probably start with yeah, I really like that. I, I always found in the outdoor work that I've done, and often it would be a group of kids for one week at a time on a trip, but the connection you get with the kids makes all the difference. And if they can, yeah, if they really feel a connection with you, I think you can get a lot more out of them and have a lot more fun and be more playful with them because there's a trust that starts to build through that connection, which I really always really liked. Um, so I wondered, do you have any examples about real classrooms that have successfully implemented joy? Any teachers that have been doing doing that? Oh yeah, I mean, there's lots of them. I think about uh, one that just sort of comes to mind. Uh, Diana Williams is a teacher in Surrey, British Columbia, and she's just just one of these like meant to be teachers. But she does a she she you know she does a really interesting thing um, called Figure It Out Fridays, and so what she does is she brings in whether it's new technologies or puzzles or whatever and just says to the kids it's time to figure it out and she doesn't really provide any uh structure but it's really about play it's about them and it's about reflection right like if you don't figure it out that's okay so let's reflect on how far we got with it and so i was in her classroom uh during one of these sessions and and <laughs> this one little girl uh, made me a uh a duct tape wallet that she that she was trying to figure out because she'd seen it on YouTube. And she thought oh, that's really cool. So there was a bunch of duct tape. So she made me a wallet out of duct tape. Um, but like that's that's just an example of like embedding that as as part of the classroom. I think about I I talk to so many teachers who, you know, I share a lot of things around um, you know ways to sort of build those relationships. And so I I know a lot of teachers that incorporate. Um, similar uh structures to their to their classrooms where you know they do uh you know minute to win it games and the, uh, they kick off the the day with a game and they have a little fun it, you know it's funny watching teachers now uh use wordle in their classroom and and uh, you know i've seen videos of of kids like you know their daily wordle they do it together and they're like cheer yay we got it in three or got it in four so i think doing you know, like, and that, that's that idea of community. Like there's something about building something or creating something or doing something together. That's why I think singing is such a big, a big music is such a big part of, of that experience, right? Like how do we bring um, music into, uh, into our classroom uh, as part of that experience? And again, that, it's probably pretty easy to figure out a way to do it in any subject area. Right. And so that's a powerful, uh, uh, implement to use. There's a teacher that I, um, um, that I know who uh, he's a, he teaches overseas and uh, at the time he was in Singapore, high school English teacher. At the beginning of the class, <clears throat> he turns the lights down um, and they have tea for five minutes. So they go and serve themselves a cup of tea and they just sit for five minutes. It's just quiet. Sometimes they talk, sometimes they just sit quietly. And, you know, he just said it's such a contrast to their 
you know, them rushing around from class to classroom. And so for those five minutes, we just have tea together. And like, what a simple, what a simple thing to do that just sort of sets the tone for it. And, and, you know, like, um, there's, there's lots of other, even more practical curricular, uh, things that I think about, even just the idea of, um, and again, I could, I could spend a lot of time talking about the ways in which we, uh, can can bring students into the assessment conversations, like having them assessors of their own work and and really taking ownership of it and taking pride and joy in their work. And you kind of playing a little different role instead of evaluator and judge, uh, play a more of a, a role of coach. And uh, that can really transform the, the assessment experience so that it becomes something that kids actually look forward to sharing their learning and, and so forth. So um, lots and lots of, uh, of examples of, of things that teachers can do in, in any kind of context. Yeah, I think that's great. And actually from conversations I've had recently with around, you know, all the technology that's coming to classrooms, that teaching, I like the coach term because it's almost like teachers are becoming facilitators, but I like the coach, the idea of the coach as well. So as a digital consultant, because I know you've done a lot of that work in the past, what are some of the challenges that you hear about in the classroom? And I wonder with the digital learning aspect, um, is this impacting the sense of community that you can get in a classroom between teachers and students? Because, you know, with the screen time and that sort of individualized learning, I just wonder how that impacts things. Well, I mean, again, there's, there's lots of great stories and there's lots of challenges. I think one of the challenges that still remain and it, and it happened, I was in Montreal uh, last week and, and uh, we had difficulties uh, with the technology is like it, technology is still kind of hard. Like it does, things don't always work, right? Like when you're trying, especially in a, in an environment where you've got networks and you've got security things and so forth. And so like stuff just sometimes doesn't work the way it's supposed to. So that's, that's challenging to start with. I think, I think the other thing that's challenging is, um, and this is where sort of a sense of play, which is another one of the sort of tenants that I talk about in my book. In other words, like, you have to have a sense of play when it comes to using digital tools. Like it's like, let's like back to this figure out Friday thing. Like, well, I don't know. Like, how does this, how does this, uh, you know, robotics program work? Right. And there, and it, and you have to be able to invest time to do that because it's not like, okay, here's, here's out of the box. And now I can, here's lesson one. And I just dive right in, which is, you know, a, a mindset that teachers have traditionally had, like, no, we actually have to take time to explore how this works. And, and that's a challenge because time is is not always easy to find, and so uh, that that's a real challenge when it comes to using digital technologies. And for me, you know, I always think of like what technologies actually make us more human, not less human, right? And that's a, that's a really sometimes a challenging thing. So there's lots of teachers who, you know, get off, you know, find particular uh, tools. And, and strategies that they that they end up being their go-to tools and they use them all the time, like whether it's something like Google Slides or whatever. And it becomes after a while, uh, like you, you're just using the tool here. There's no sort of like, why, why would we use this over something else? So you're always, you need to be asking those questions. Like there's lots of times when, and you know, I've gone back and forth between, you know, even one-to-one -one computing, which I mean, I think it's still valuable for kids to have a device. I think there's still so much stuff to do, but it's also true that when you have limited time with kids, that that maybe that's not the time 
to be diving into using screens because this is precious. Like, like, and, and I wonder, I, you know, I think about what we may have learned from, you know, kids being, uh, learning virtually for, you know, for some kids, just a few months for some kids, it was more than a year that they did that. Um, you know, and people recognize like, that's not a healthy, that's not a healthy experience to sit in front of a screen all day long. But it was it was certainly uh, it was certainly useful in, in many ways because it, it it allowed teachers and students to connect in ways that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. That said, now that we're now that we're face to face, um, you know, it really begs the question of like, how do I want to make the best use of my time? Like I taught I taught um, you know I've taught post secondary for or for years and and it was all virtual. But I had a couple of I had a couple of classes where I taught once a month I was in person. And I really had to think hard about like what is that once a month experience? How is that going to look different from my virtual experiences? Because if it's just the same thing, like that's not that doesn't make sense. Like you're not taking advantage. I, I mean I want people to take advantage of the technology, but I also want them to take advantage of what what being in person means. And so that's why environment and space as we kind of mentioned earlier is kind of a big deal like just sitting in a row at a desk that doesn't really take advantage of being together so okay what does that look like so so i think there's a real there's a there's there's a real challenge around um that right blend and and there are teachers that get it right like that says like this is something that the kid says okay i want to go home and explore more okay take your device home and maybe you're watching three youtube videos to help you get more of a context of what it is maybe i can build something uh, create a model or something on uh digitally that might enhance uh my learning uh maybe a friend and i can collaborate on a document as we're sort of thinking through and capturing our notes and thinking some way so there's 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 certainly ways obviously tons of ways that it can be done thoughtfully and, and really takes advantage of, of the best of humanity. But, um, you know, there's also a, a caution of, of, I don't want to over, I don't want to utilize it here when, when there's other ways that are, that are richer and better experiences. So I have a question that just popped into my head around what is the role of the parents in the modern classroom, given that technology is creeping in more and more, of course, um, and, I think it probably got accelerated with the pandemic. And so if kids are working on screens at home and just in terms of, you know, safety, of course, around technology and, you know, accessing the internet. Um, yeah. Where does the parent fit into this? Cause it's not always any, you know, they don't always know their role. I know I'm a parent that is, you know, very much trusts the school and you know, what's happening there, but when the education is coming into the home environment, particularly with the pandemic, which is a unique situation. Yeah. What is their role? Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's difficult because, you know, the, it's a really, it's a really interesting sort of dichotomy that exists because, you know, people have used the word and I don't like the term digital natives. It, I don't, it, it, I think it's a, it's a bit uh, divide, divisive because I can tell you as somebody who is uh, much older than the students of the, our day, I'm, I'm much, I have much more adept with technologies than they do. And so it's nothing to do with age. It has more to do with, there's a, a David White from the UK talks about digital residents versus visitors. So I'm more of a resident of technologies than many people are. But so, so Sometimes kids come home, they have a better understanding. Sometimes they have less understanding their parents. So that, that is unique to each household. Um, but I, th I mean, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to the same ways that we would 
hopefully interact with their kids outside of digital technologies by simply being curious about tell me about what you're doing like talk to me about this and because you don't you don't have to know anything about it but i mean if kids are using a particular app like you know i've and and to that end even though i i said what i said before about my my abilities with technology like i had you know i spent a lot of time with my teenage daughter talking about TikTok because they didn't really understand it. It wasn't a platform that I was using. So it was like, help me understand TikTok. Like, how does this work? Like, what's the appeal of it? Why do kids like it? Like, what do you find on there that's that's interesting, that's valuable? What what are the caution things that you should be aware of? So I think that's just, to me, the bottom line with it is like, as a parent, just be curious with your kids and say, like, tell me more about this. Oh, that's really interesting. How did you do that? Like, And, you know, and kids will interact at varying degrees of like either just just leave me alone. I'm just trying to get my work done here. I don't want to, but you know that's your job as a parent to figure out a way to to engage that conversation. So that to me, that's 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 the bottom line. And then the other thing that's super super hard, and I I you know I'm not really good at it myself, is model for your kids what a healthy relationship with technology looks like. So you know, being better at putting your phone away, which I mean, it's it's such a bad habit that I know I have, and I catch myself with my grandkids, and then I feel like an idiot when I'm supposed to be paying attention to them, and I'm not. So I have to sort of trick myself into put it away and just forget about it. But it's that's challenging. So being aware of it obviously is the first thing, and to, and to show your kids. And you know, you hear of these examples all the time where you know kids. Are, Parents have, have gone to the route of taking their kids' technology away for the weekend and, and they hate it and they're mad. And then usually by the end of it, it's like, okay, this isn't so bad. So uh, I think we need I think we need to figure out. So I think part of it is coming up with routines and um, structures that like, yeah, every Sunday afternoon we go to this place and we play. Like like going back to, uh, I talked, we talked earlier about my passion for golf. You know, one of the things I love about golf is it's four hours where technology does not come into the equation at all. And it, it, is, it is amazing what that does for me mentally, uh, just not having to think about that. So figuring out as a parent what that looks like, and you know, as, as a father of younger children, you're in that position now to sort of create some structures where uh, we can begin to see and develop a healthy relationship with technology because you can't go the other way and say well technology is horrible it's bad never use it which is what some parents do because they revert to like you know it's a binary conversation it's not bad or good it's just like what does it look like when we have a really healthy relationship because there's no doubt that it has amazing and powerful and awesome potential but um there's more to life than that as well yeah yeah i agree modeling good behavior um but yeah it is a powerful tool that you know, it's important that we learn how to use it in a positive way. Um, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. And so much of it resonates with me. And yeah, I think at a, a time that we, after the times we've had over the last couple of years, like, yeah, there's no, no more important time to embrace the culture of joy. That's for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun to talk. Thanks for joining us on the 21st Century Teacher. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Please do subscribe so you don't miss out on the next show. And also, don't forget to check out our fantastic online learning platform, which is liveit.earth. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.